This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? The shot caller. That's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. What's up, what's up, Los Angeles? It's me, your host, Casey Diaz, host of the Shot Caller Podcast. It's a beautiful day in Los Angeles. You can't complain. It's just sunny, palm trees, and Jesus. It doesn't get better than that. So today, uh, man, I, I'm, I'm like really uh, just excited uh, about you joining me, number one. And then number two, I have a, a guest that... Um, uh, through a mutual friend, I got to meet, and uh, it was, it's been through emails so far and text. And today, uh, I have a, a guest that, uh, man, I, I want to. I have so many questions for you, uh, but with any, uh, with no further ado, uh, I want I want him to 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 say who he is and what he does. I, I've already plastered him on 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 my social media. So a lot of you guys, uh, uh, you know, even uh, put your your questions in to 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 perhaps ask th- during this interview. But Frank, can you give us? Can you introduce yourself a- sure. and what you do? Absolutely. Well, anyway, it's a privilege for me to be with you, Casey, and to finally meet you in person. You know, uh, but my name is Frank Mastro Leonardo. A nice, easy. Short last name, just kidding. <laughs> but, um, I have the privilege of serving um, as the uh, Protestant chaplain liaison for the County of Los Angeles and also um, serve in a ministry, a nonprofit prison ministry called Only Hope Prison Ministries. And in the County of Los Angeles, we have around oh, 15,000, 16,000 inmates, and we have about 400 volunteers under the Christian Protestant group that have the privilege of just going in and proclaiming the truth of the gospel, counseling, death notifications, extractions, Bible studies, uh, anything that you would think of that happens, you know, in the uh, context of a church happens behind bars. And, you know, um, uh, one of the reasons that, obviously, um, for those of you that uh, know my story and the book and all that, uh, it, it, to me, it, it, it's, it's exciting to have you here for many reasons. And one of those is, well, one— you're a fellow, a fellow brother in the Lord, and um, one of the things that I've um, that I've been able to see throughout my walk is that Christ really is the bridge that brings us together, and and um, there's a fellowship bond 
you know, uh, it's almost like when you meet a, a, a believer in the supermarket, complete strangers, and then, you know, they might be wearing a Jesus shirt or, or, or whatever, right? And, and you find out through small talk that they're believers, and it's an instant, you know, uh, it's a brotherhood or a sisterhood, whatever it is, it's God that brings people together uh, in, a, in the household of faith. And so uh, you as a chaplain of the Los Angeles County jails, I mean, that's a big job, man. That's a, that's a big job. Uh, you know, as a former inmate, um, I was part of the problem. And, and, and you know, I, throughout my stay there, I, I never had interactions with, with a chaplain. I, my head was somewhere else at that time. I was without Christ. What, what, where, where does that start that you say, you know, I think this is where God wants me to begin my career. How did that happen to you? Yeah, and just even before I answer that, I just want to say when I met you, I feel the same way that it's like, hey, you know, it's like a family member I haven't seen in a long time. <laughs> You know, in the midst of all the, the chaos that's been going on in our world over the last, you know, year and a half yeah. with COVID, just reminded our citizenship is in heaven. This isn't our home. We're pilgrims in a foreign land. We're ambassadors for the most high God. And all the crazy stuff that's happening, although I'm not excited about it, it is what we should expect because the word of God has informed us. Jesus said, I've warned you in advance. So um, and we know that as the church, by definition, is the called out ones, the body of believers that come together. So when I yeah. saw you, man, I just thought, okay, I've known you forever, <laughs> right? You know. But well, for me, my journey wasn't quite like Casey's. But I grew up in uh, uh, Pacoima. Um, I'm 60, be 65 this year. And when I so 40 years ago, when I came to know Christ, prior to that, I grew up in a good home. You know, and my my parents were great. You know, but you know, I was just someone that was looking for my identity. And uh, I'll just say from First John and the you know lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. You know, he who has the most toys when he dies wins. That was my motto. And so I looked for my identity, and I started a joined a gang in Pacoima. Um, that was short lived, but then I just ended up um, just becoming a drug dealer, drug addict, and that was uh, my plight in life. I'll just make a lot of money, do whatever I want. You know, everything will just be fine. But when, there, when you don't have Christ in your life, there's a just total emptiness in your soul. And so no matter how much, it's like that, that movie, The Greatest Showman, you know, um, with Hugh Hackman, where that song, never enough, never enough. It just, there isn't never enough, you know. And then, you know, you start reading verses like, what should it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Or what would a man give in exchange for his soul? So when I was just trying to chase my tail, always had the monkey on my back. I never had enough money, never had enough anything that would satisfy that inside. I was working over at General Motors in Van Nuys, and my best friend comes up to me, uh, and he says, uh, guess what? Now, this is a day where I'm tired. I've been up all night. I do drugs all the time. I don't sleep. I barely keep my job at General Motors. The union's probably the only thing that held me there, you know, without getting fired because of my crazy lifestyle. But he walks up to me one day and he says, guess what? I've received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I'm a born-again Christian. And he went, <laughs> he had like a big smile <laughs> on his face. And I'm like, oh, my friend has freaked out. But I love this guy, but he's gone to the dark side. You know, he's a Jesus freak now. Oh, man, whatever. Well, he walks away, and I literally in my mind said, Jesus freak. 
you know. And then weeks went by, and he never shared verses like, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever should believe in him would not perish or have everlasting life. He didn't share anything with me, but I was watching God transform someone from the inside out. This guy was going through a divorce, and I asked him if he wanted to go out and you know party over the weekend. He goes, no, I'm just going to go to church, and I'm praying that God would have my wife recognize that First and foremost, she sinned against the God in heaven, and she sinned against our marriage. And I'm praying that we would be restored. And I went, okay. And the <laughs> next minute, this guy's dad walks by, who at the during those years in the you know late 70s, early 80s, he was a superintendent. But him and his dad didn't get along very well. And every time his dad would walk by, there was a colorful word, which I won't you know confirm. But at any rate, his dad walks by, and I go, hey, there goes your dad. Kind of went like that, like waiting, you know. <laughs> yeah. And he says, you know, I'm praying that my dad would recognize that without Christ, without the forgiveness that Christ and Christ alone can give, that he's doomed to an eternal hell. He says, you know, like Revelation 20, if your name's not found written in the book of life, you'll be cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. I'm praying that my dad would recognize that, that he'd be, you know, totally saved through the blood of Christ, through Christ's sacrifice on the cross for us, and that our relationship would be healed. And I'm like... Okay. Next thing I know, I'm trying to tell a dirty joke and he didn't want to hear it. He said he didn't want to draw pictures in his mind. I asked if he wanted to go get high at lunch. He said, I'm going up to the roof of General Motors with other Christians and we're going to study the Bible. And I just like scratched my head. And then the one thing he said he wanted during the divorce was a Porsche because he drove an old like 1960 Volkswagen that barely ran. I said, hey, you want to go look for that Porsche? Can I go with you over the weekend? He says, my Volkswagen will do. Check, see you later. Well, two weeks go by of this, and he walks up to me one day. He goes, hey, Frank, you want to go to church? And I went, okay. And he walks away, and I went, I just agreed to go to church. No way. You know, I can't believe I just did that, you know. So at any rate, uh, he brought me over to Grace Community Church in Sun Valley. John MacArthur was preaching. I sat there, you know, in the audience, and I thought, well, I grew up in, uh, you know, a home where we'd go to church on Easter and on Christmas time, and I went through all the different types of, you know, Christian schools and stuff, but I didn't know any of this stuff. This is the most I've learned of the Bible my whole life. Well, after the service is over, my friend says, hey, you want to go talk to a counselor? And I thought, man, I'm so smart. I mean, I've got so much to offer the world. I'm sure the counselor would want to talk to me because I know everything. <laughs> so I went in and sat down with the counselor, and he just looked at me, and he said, son, if you were to die tonight, stand before God. And he were to ask you, why should I let you into my rest? What are you going to tell him? And I said, uh, I'm a good person, and I believe my good will outweigh my bad. And when I said that, I was thinking of like a, a diagram with Coke on it. And I thought if there's just a little bit more good than bad, God will say, yeah, 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 you're not so bad. You did some good stuff. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. You're good. Come on in. So the counselor looked at me, and he's really, like, calm and chill. And he says, son, let me share a verse with you. And he shared a verse from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you've been saved, and that not of yourselves. It's a free gift of God, not as a result of works, lest no man should boast about it. And I'm like, can you break that down for me? He says, yeah, you know, you're saved by God giving you more than you deserve because Romans, you know, chapter 3 you know, says, uh, you know, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God as we roll down to Romans 3.23 and in Romans 6.23, and the wages or the payment for your sin is death. Now, the death he was talking about, I thought, well, I know we're all going to die one day. I almost died from an overdose once. And he said, well, no, 
This is that death that I spoke about earlier from Revelation 20, where the Apostle John said, you know, I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon the throne, whose presence earth and heaven fled. And I saw the great and the small standing before the thrones and the books were open and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And everyone was judged according to the things written in the books. And if your name's not found written in the book of life, you will be cast into the lake of fire. And here's this verse that hit me. This is the second, the second death. death. And I'm like, whoa. So I go home <laughs> after meeting with that counselor. And I said, Lord, I, I just realized I don't know everything. I actually don't know anything. And I believe that, that almighty God, that you love the world so much that you sent your son to come and, and, and this wasn't just some guy that came down. This is Almighty God in the flesh. You look at the Gospel of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and everything was created by Him, and nothing has come into being without being created by Him. And in John 1.14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld His glory. Glory is of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. I said, Lord Jesus, if you can do anything with this messed up, worthless life that I've made of it, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross and that you came for one purpose and one purpose only, to pay the penalty for the sins of all of mankind. And I pray that you'd forgive me for my sins. You know, we know from 1 John 1, 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so, you know, lightning bolts didn't flash. I didn't see anything happen. But from that moment on, I totally surrendered my life to Christ. And we know that when that happens, the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us, who convicts us of sin, justice, and righteousness. A few weeks went by, and I wasn't seeing a whole lot of change, you know, change in me. I thought, well, you know, I mean, I got to keep that safe and these drugs, and I can't I got to be a good steward. I got to do the drugs. You know what I mean? I can't get rid of them. And I got my 45 auto and I've got, you know, I got my stuff here. As a couple of weeks went by, I remember I was in an apartment on Parthenia over by General Motors. And I like went, I don't like these posters anymore. These guys worship, you know, other stuff. I had Led Zeppelin posters. I had a refrigerator that was just filled with, you know, Heinegans. And that was pretty much it because I just ate out all the time. And then I thought, how can I give? sell stuff that I deemed to be evil, even the scale that was during that time worth about 300 bucks, which was a lot of money 40 years ago. <laughs> I remember going to my dumpster in my back of my apartment, and I just chucked it all, wow. just threw it all away. And then I just started digging in and just going to services and, and just Bible studies and started uh, driving for um, the handicapped ministry at Grace Community Church. And of course, to do that, I needed to be baptized go through, uh, you know, some some training because they didn't want me just sitting on a, a bus and not have any way to communicate the gospel. So I was taking classes. Well, one day I was sitting, to answer the second part of the question, I was sitting looking at the bulletin, and it said uh, that they needed a driver to bring a team to Juvenile Hall on Tuesdays. And it was at like 10 in the morning, and I thought, well, man, I go to work at 4.30 in the afternoon at General Motors. I can do that. And during those years, I had a commercial license, so I thought, yeah, I'll go do that. So it turned out to be a bunch of ladies that were going there from Grace Church, and they'd bake cookies. They became like the mom that these young people never had. And so one day, the leader of the group says, you know, you need, you need to share your testimony. I go, what testimony? I don't have a testimony. She says, everybody has a testimony. Always be ready to give an answer for the hope that's in you, young man. You need to go back to the Word. And 
So at any rate, I shared, you know, my testimony. But I think back in those days, it was more of a bragamony, like, oh, look at me. And, you know, can you believe it? You know, how great I am, yeah. you know. And then, uh, you know, as the Lord, um, when the Lord loves, <clears throat> he disciplines. And we know that from Scripture that he who began a good work and you have perfected unto the day of Christ. And, of course, as time went by, you know, I recognized that this isn't nothing about Casey or me. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is the one that saves. We don't deserve anything. We are all but worthless sinners, you know. So at any rate, um, about a year later, I ended up starting to go to um, what's called uh, Pitches Detention Center. It used to be called the Wayside Honor Ranch. There's four separate distinct jails in there. L.A. County has six active jails right now, and four of them are in, in uh, Pitches Detention Center. So I started serving at what they called back then as the East Max, and then when uh, uh, the North County Correctional Facility or it's been nicknamed Supermax, opened up in 1990, I started going there. So that gives you a little bit of a picture on how I, how, <laughs> how, how I got into this, you know. So it was about 40 years ago, and I did have a full-time job up until four years ago when the Sheriff's Department had, uh, you know, asked for me to come on as the liaison for the county. Um, I'd been serving as the senior chaplain of the North County Correctional Facility for about the last 22 years or so, but doing that while I had a full-time job, but now I'm full-time uh, you know, working as a chaplain with the sheriff's department and also with Only Hope Prison Ministries. Wow, man. And, and you know, so you were there in the 90s, it, yeah. in 1990. Oh, yeah. So I was there. Oh, we were together. <laughs> Which facility were you at? I was in uh, uh, Old Max, okay. East. You were at East Max. Yeah, I was uh, there all the time. So I was in 2400. I, I was there. <laughs> and Jubal Roll was right there, yeah. uh, at the solitary confinement cell, yeah. leading into the chow Is that where you were all the time? I was there quite uh, a bit of time. Uh, then from there, I was in, ended up getting transferred to uh, the gang module. Oh, over at Men's Central Jail? Yes, at the so, old, old men's. Casey and I were together. We just didn't know. We right? just didn't know. All right. God had a plan all along. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, and that's, and that's why uh, when uh, 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 Abe, um, you know, he texts me. I saw you guys fed um Oh, uh, oh we had a, you yeah. know what we did? So last year, you know, when the pandemic started, and I just want to put in like a, just a thank you to the L.A. County Sheriff's Department because jails and prisons literally just shut down throughout the country of allowing any of the religious groups to come in. L.A. County said, no, on the contrary, all of our religious groups are going to be allowed in during the pandemic and considered first responders. Really? So our team never stopped going in. And what was really um, amazing, I'd say, and I'll just say, thank you, Lord Jesus. But of all of the groups that come into L.A. County, which are, you know, thousand, a few thousand volunteers, and they're under all the different religious groups that you could think of, the only ones that came in, and I'm not just saying this and I'm not bashing them, but I'm telling you, the Protestants were the only ones that came in during the worst of the pandemic. And of our 400 volunteers, we had maybe 40 to 60 that were coming in on a regular basis because... You know, many in our group as well had underlying health issues or family members, but um, the, the Protestant Christian group were the only ones coming in. I would have deputies that would walk up to me and say stuff like, so I've got to be here and you don't. Why are you here? I said, well, I'm just so <laughs> thankful for what Christ has done for me that I just want to go and proclaim the truth of the gospel. And, you know, don't, don't you want us here? You've got extractions where you need yeah. a chaplain. You've got death. Oh, yeah, 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 we do, we do. Yeah. And so we started to build a relationship with the deputies that I have, haven't had during the whole time that I've been there since 1979. You know, but during the pandemic, it grew. And then I was thinking about doing some like, um, like maybe have a day at NCCF. There's, yeah. 
you know, 400,000 inmates in there, but this would be for the deputies, doctors, first responders, teachers. I thought maybe I'll just, I always see that taco truck there. Maybe I'll talk to the taco truck and uh, see if I can like, you know, maybe our ministry can, can try to support it and have a, just to say, thank you. They're, these guys are getting bashed in the, you know, in the media, yeah. you know, a cop does something bad and now they're all bad, you know, yeah. the hundreds of thousands of law enforcement. But unfortunately there's evil in all realms of, of everybody. There's evil chaplains, there's evil teachers, yep. there's evil book writers, but not him. But <laughs> no, but what I mean is that we can't take and lump everybody into one group. So we thought, yeah. let's just have a time where we could have, let's call it deputy appreciation lunch. And so, when I, I uh, served over at Children's Hunger Fund for a few years, and I remember there was a relationship with In-N-Out Burger, so we contacted In-N-Out Burger and uh, you know wanted to see if any trucks are available. They go, yeah, we got trucks available because of this pandemic. You know, what day are you looking for? So I went to my sergeant over at NCCF and I said, um, "Hey, Sarge, you know, and really neat lady, not a not a follower of Christ, not a Christian, but just a great lady." I said, "Hey, Sarge, really like to do an In-N-Out, you know, tractor trailer up here." How many, how many are we looking? She goes, for what? I said, you know, for, for, for Supermax here, NCCF. She goes, well, why aren't you going to do the whole Pitches Detention Center? I said, if you ask my wife, she'll tell you that I'm lazy. I don't want to take on the task, you know? But <laughs> yes, you're right, Sarge. That's exactly what my wife would say. Why aren't you doing the whole Pitches Detention Center? Yeah. <laughs> so went ahead and we did the uh, Pitches Detention Center last year during the pandemic. And we had like um, 500 maybe 600. We brought folks from the gun range, motor pool, East Max, or now it's just called the East. It's a fire camp, the North facility, the South facility, but it was really neat. But for us, you know, we just suited up and just greeted everybody, no pressure, thanked them. And then we had, you know, you know, just a table filled with study Bibles and the books that we hand out. And so it went really well. So I wrote a little newsletter. We're a small ministry, Only Hope Prison Ministries. And so I sent it out to the churches and people that, you know, serve with us, work with us, and so um, a large church in the San Fernando Valley, you know, just said, hey, um, if you do this in the future, we'd like to be a part of it. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, Twin Towers, Men's Central Jail and Inmate Reception Center, I'd like to do that, but it's going to be triple what we did here. So they committed to, to a very large amount of money. And I'm like, wow, all right. So then we went last year and did Twin Towers, Men's Central Jail, the inmate reception center, which is all right there on Bechet Street. Now, that, you know, there you're looking at about, you know, close to 10,000 inmates in L.A. County. But, uh, you know, you've got hundreds and hundreds of deputies and doctors. Well, this year rolls around and I thought, oh, Lord, nobody's going to want to do this again. It's going to cost <laughs> a lot of money to do this again, like maybe $35,000. By the way, in and out is stellar. They literally they really gave are. us. They, they came in and su helped support the thing, not just you know, have us pay them, but they literally came in and helped support us. And when I went to thank um, their, you know, executive vice president last year with my sergeant, his response was, hey, we didn't do this for that. We didn't do it for a, you know, a thank you note or anything. And I go, I know, you know, just a humble man of God and a, from what I can see, a very, on, you know, God honoring organization. But we brought it anyway, because, you know, the sheriff's department wanted to just say thank you. Well, this year we decided to do it again. Last year we ended up serving about 1,800 double-double meals and gave out about 250 um, Bibles books. This year we ended up handing out 3,500 double-double meals for the whole county of Los Angeles at three different wow. events and ended up giving out around 1,500 study Bibles uh, and books. And so, you know, I just want to say thank you to the Lord because um, he took me dragging, he drug me along 
and I, I just really, uh, you know, looked at it and didn't want to do it. But now I'm hoping that every year we can have a deputy appreciation lunch and just say thank you. I mean, you know, and, and you know what I've, I've found uh, along my walk is that God just puts people, whether it's churches, organizations, or just a person along our path, and these kind of things just take place. And and, and, and it's it's not even, you know, my, my wife uses a word, um, it, she, she uses effortless. When you do it with him, it just seems effortless. There's challenges, of course, you know, and everything, right? But but for some reason, when it's a it's a God thing and and your heart is in the right place, which is very seldom in the right place, right? And like our hearts are even as believers, I mean you desperately wicked. I mean that's that's a ouch. But that's what our hearts are. And 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 then the factor that if you're not in Christ, well, then how dark is your heart, right? But when in those moments when we're doing things for him, with him, and there is no alternative motive, God just moves. And it is effortless because he's the one behind it. And uh, so I saw the pictures, and this is how I ended up uh, sparking a conversation with uh, uh, Abe. And Abe has been a, a very good friend of mine for, uh, I don't know, almost 20 years, I think. I think a little bit, yeah, I think like 20 years, actually. I think he said 17. I think it's more than 20. But he, he's 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 just a really cool guy. And I saw the pictures, and he posted these pictures on his, on his um, uh, social media uh, platform. And when I ran across him, I said, wow, man, that's super cool, man, that you guys uh, did this for... Sheriff's Department, at, you know, at these facilities. And the next thing he says to me is, this, hey, would you be interested in sitting down and having an interview with with uh, the, the head chaplain there, with Frank? And I kind of looked at my phone, you know, because it, it's, <laughs> you just don't expect these things, right? And I'm looking at my phone, I said, it can't be that, be- that can't be that easy, right? Like, how, how does that happen? And and I said, yeah, of course I would. And he goes, all right, cool. I'll I'll hook it up and and I'll and I'll get back to you. And that's how this started, right? Cool. <laughs> thank you, Abe. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Abe. Uh, but he's he's just a really cool guy, and uh, uh, and I'm so glad that we 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 get to sit down here and then talk about these things. So this job, this assignment, I don't even think I shouldn't even call it a job because it's a calling. Is what it is, where God has you, um, you know, from an insider look. Um, I don't know how it is now. I've been out of that system for quite some time now, through the grace of God. But I remember the violence in there. And it was, it, it was not the Los Angeles County Jail. I hope nobody goes there. If you haven't been to a county jail, <laughs> stay away from any jail especially the Los Angeles County Jail. Um, it, 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 you know, the, the racial tension in there, uh, the gang, um, everything about it. You walked in there. I walked in there when I was just 17 years old, um, being found fit to, uh, and tried as an adult. And 
you walk in there and you go, okay, this is different. This is serious now. And, and, and you have to mentally prepare yourself because it's going to be, I mean, it, it's, it's a whole different animal in and of itself. There was a lot of violence, uh, a lot of rioting uh, when I was there. I remember, um, you'll remember this, uh, there was a unit called 9500 uh, that you went in there and you were guaranteed a riot. You were guaranteed to end up you know, taking someone's life or yours would be taken. It, it, was, it was that vicious back then. Um, I'm sure nothing's changed as far as that, that kind of element goes. You know, as, as we get closer to uh, God's return, the Bible tells us it's going to get darker. It's going to get worse. Uh, I, I always take a, a chuckle when, when Christians think that it's going to get better. Um, you read the Bible, you see the very opposite. It is going to get worse. Um, but our hope is in him, so there is no stress. We already know where we're going, number one. You know, I, I love what this one pastor said. Uh, he was a pastor at that time uh, when he said it. Uh, but he was, his, life, his life was being threatened, and his response was, are you threatening me with heaven? <laughs> you know, and that's, that's really what it is, right? Because when, when and, and we will die, at that point, if you're a believer, you're, you're there. You're, you're in glory. So for us is you know we we're, we're that's a wow what a weight that's off of our shoulders to know that you know well we're gonna be in his care for eternity. <laughs> no one else can offer you that but Christ Himself, and 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 so I was there in, in those moments. I'm sure that you're having to, like you mentioned, there's extractions, there's stabbings, there's rioting, and all that you're dealing with. What, what, what's, what's it like from a chaplain's perspective? How do you go home after, after counseling somebody, after seeing what you see on a daily basis? How does that day look like? So if you take all of this on you and think that it's up to me, it's not, and it is. It is up to us to be ambassadors for Christ and to fulfill the Great Commission. Yeah. In Matthew, you know, go make disciples, you know, and baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. What keeps me going is to remember that, as an ambassador, as a follower of Christ, as a workman for the gospel, I plant and I water. I'm not the one that saves, and I'm not the one that causes the increase, but I am going to be held responsible for, you know, being a good watchman, like in Ezekiel 3, you know, um, you know that if we see something, we want to go, we want to confront it, sin, whatever it might be. So as far as the, you know, everything's the same, it hasn't changed, you know, it's what has changed is a lot of the low-level offenders are pretty much gone in L.A. County now, not that there aren't some, but, you know, what we have left of our, I don't know the exact count right now, let's just say 15,000-plus, you know, are more of your harder core offenders just because of the releases during COVID and things like that. So there's, you know, a lot of boredom, 
there's a lot of mix of different types of groups, whether it be like MS-13, the El Salvadorians, Mexican Mafia, you know, different gangs. And what I hear, have heard, like you knew from being there, was, hey, chap, I want to get out of here. Can't wait to go to prison because this place yeah. here, there's too much politics is, yeah. of course, what you hear. So, you know, I don't want to walk in fearing men or look for the favor of men. But, for example, I'll walk up, you know, to one of the areas to because to, I've been, you know, somebody put in an inmate request or I've got a death notification or whatever it might be. And when I walk up, the first thing that happens is a shot caller and or the, they call him a rep for the dorm will walk up. And a few of them will stand next to the guy because I don't try to look like, you know, I'm going out on patrol, but it's just the way I look. So I have that to them, law enforcement look. So I walk up to the bars and the first thing that comes through many of the shot callers mind is, what is John Smith going to tell that guy about what we're doing in here? So we better stand here and act like, you know, we don't know, we're just bored, but uh, we really want to hear what he has to say. So I'll walk up and of course, I understand that's what's happening and I'll ask for, you know, so-and-so to come up and I'll hear something like, who are you? And I'll say, well, I'm the chaplain. And I just, you know, following up with John here and everything. And, but what I, what I end up doing is I just realized that um, I'm not there to, to like um, try to befriend everybody, you know, because, you know, like I'll be like them. So then they'll like me, I, I, but I want to be respectful and honoring. And so generally I'll just walk up and I'll, Sometimes before I even start, I'll just say, hey, John, let's pray. And so we'll bow and pray, and I'll just pray the gospel. And then I look up, and they, they walk away because they're like, oh, he must really be the chaplain. Let me get out of here, you know? <laughs> uh, and what we found lately is uh, for anybody that's listening that's been in jail, what's the most popular item in the jail? The little red phone book. It's about this big. It does have scripture in it. But, uh, you know, basically it's the, the hottest commodity that anyone wants, and it's not for the right reasons for the most part. But yeah. we have thousands of them now, thanks to Gospel Echoes, and we just hand them out like crazy. Well, when I walk up um, and they see that I have them, I just have my pockets loaded with them, and then I become instant friends with even the shot callers because I gave them a red <laughs> phone book. And then, but uh, I know at one point I asked one of the guys to step away because I was going to talk to him about the death in his family, and then he didn't. And he said, no, I'm staying here. I go, okay, well, let's talk about the gospel. Where are you at? By the time we were done, we made friends, and I've wow. been able to follow up with them. So I, once again, I'm not trying to like be cute or like, oh, I want everybody to like me, but... I'm there for the gospel of Jesus Christ and the word of God to go forward. That's that's my my mission. So I just want to be respectful and take the time for everybody. Um, I mentioned that the other groups weren't coming in. Well, guess what? I walk up to the bars and someone says, hey, I want a, a this or a that. And I went, well, you know, go to your, well, really, you do, to, yes, you're right. You have a right to have one of those, but um, they're not here. And then I'll hear, well, we got a right. I said, well, I'll tell you what, call your temple. Get a, write your temple or your you know or your uh, mosque or whatever it is that you're looking for because they're permitted to be in here just like we are, and, and then I'll talk. Hey, can I pray with you? Um, can I give you some of our biblical material? Ninety-eight to ninety-nine percent of the time, somebody asking me for a Quran or a, or this or that will take our Bible and pray with us. Wow. So, so the way I look at it is like, I don't want to blow them off and just like, you know, we're there. and then when the, the inmate request started stacking up, I'd walk, we'd walk up with our team and say, Hey, we know you asked for a, this chaplain or that chaplain. They're not here. Anything we can help you with. And some will say, nah, I'm good, man. Just let me know when they come back. Once again, about of those requests, about 95% of them would engage us, take Bibles. We'd pray with them and, you know, walk through the gospel with them. And you know, it, here's a here's what 
you might not know, and some of you that are listening in, um, in, in the heart of man, uh, there, there's definitely, especially with, when it comes with, uh, to convicts, um, most of us grew up without fathers. I mean, that's statistically most of us, and I would probably say high, high 90s that grew up without fathers, uh, without a, a, a good mentor, a good leader. We didn't get to see that growing up. Chaplains and prison ministry does that. And it, and it approaches grown men who have a tough face or a hard title in there. And chaplains and prison ministries approach that type of male or female and they get to see the boy and the little, the little girl inside that inmate that's, that nobody has given the time. Really, nobody has, because they look a certain way and they think that that's just, it's a waste of time. I'm a product of prison ministry. I'm a product of a little Baptist lady, little Christian lady that walked into solitary confinement, took, took her little prison bus, faithfully approached my cell. And just told me simple words that I, in the beginning I, I, I rejected and, you know, kind of, you know, shush her away and I didn't want nothing to do with that because I, you know. But prison ministry and, and chaplains all over county jails and state prisons, everywhere, God has placed you guys in there for a unique job. And I love what, I, you know, I don't think anybody has quoted more scripture than you in, in, since I started. And I think I'm on like episode 50-something now, lost count. But I love that because that's what men need. That's what we need. And, 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 I, and I find it so, um, you know, I have friends and some of my close friends have, uh, you know, that really know me. I did not want to do prison ministry at all, uh, I, 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 and I would always say, you know, I'm like Arnold from Different Strokes. The only bars I want around me are candy bars. Like, you know, I didn't want to do prison ministry. I didn't want. I didn't want to. I just wanted to stay away from that. And I stayed away from it for about twenty minutes, twenty years. And all of a sudden, God just goes, uh, "No, I'm going to put you in there whether you like it or not. And this is how I'm going to do it." And uh, now, you know, uh, I'm so just, my hands are all, uh, all over the place. And God is opening doors to, to, to all these places. And I want to say to you and to those that are, are, uh, that are involved in prison ministry, we, we, we can't thank you enough for the work that you do in there. <laughs> Waking up. I don't. I can't even picture this in my in my mind. Voluntarily, whether you're paid or not, walking into a prison culture and carrying the most precious thing one can ever carry, and that's the gospel of Jesus. 
into a broken, divided prison cell. To me, that is, it is amazing what you guys do. And I'm forever grateful for prison ministry, and I'm a product of that. I'm grateful for people like the Gideons who put Bibles, and there's nothing like like a real Bible in your hands, man. Uh, to this day, I, I I just can't do the phone app. That's just not me. I'm old school, and I, people make fun of me. But, you know, <laughs> I love my Bible just, just to have it, man, just to my notes and, you know. And you guys handing these, these red books in there filled with Scripture, filled with, with the words of life. That's what the Bible is, you know. There was a, a disciple that asked Jesus, you know, or Jesus rather says, "Are you going to go too?" And his response is, "Where would I go? In you is life." You know that that's the response, and I think that a lot of people are afraid to approach, um, whether you know it's people in general, really. They're afraid to approach people with the truth of God's word. I don't understand that. Because that's the only thing that actually works. Gimmicks, you know, you have churches now with smoke machines and lights and flickering and all that. To I don't know. <laughs> to me, the word of God is living, powerful, sharper than the two-edged sword. It pierces to bone marrow. It goes all the way in deep. It knows the intentions of our hearts. That is what makes the difference. You know, there's not enough steps to change a man's heart. There's, they're cute. You know, the 12 steps, the 13 steps, the 24. There's not enough steps to change a man's heart. It is only through the word of God. It is only through by your heart, by your heart and my heart, repenting and crying out, woe is me, Lord, save me. Those words in God's ears, that's, the, that's your beginning, man. That's your beginning. And, and, and I'm so grateful for what you do here in the city of Los Angeles. It's the biggest detention center in the nation, I believe. Um, and... and <laughs> You know, Casey, the biblical materials that come in on an annualized basis are absolutely staggering. You mentioned the Gideons. I mean, and I think last year, maybe 30,000 of their Bibles came in brand new, soft cover, not the ones in the hotel that are hardcover because we can't have them anyway. Yeah. Brand new Bibles coming in, and anybody that wants a Bible gets one. We've had some um, Christian authors that have been sending their books in. In fact, during the pandemic, um, Grace to You opened up um, their books. And so we ended up, um, I think we've received about 68,000 68, books to date and handed out in LA County because we did serve some other uh, prisons, some of our prison partners. But um, I think we've had about 30,000 books handed out. Wow. They're being asked for by name. And these are really solid, you know, books. Um, because, you know, we have about 15,000, but transferring through LA County on an annualized basis, probably, you know, in excess of 200, 250,000 
inmates. So we have a lot of, we have some turnover. We got some folks that are there for a while fighting a case, but we have those that transition in and out. But I think last year, uh, just not that numbers matter, but maybe a million dollars worth of brand new biblical materials came in that are given out. Wow. From, you know, we have Bible study programs. When an inmate finishes uh, anywhere in the county of LA and, and many parts of the country, um, you finish a Fundamentals of the Faith, you know, uh, and you'll receive a brand new study Bible. And, you know, it, it, so I wasn't hip. When I was in there, I wasn't hip to Protestant service. I remember hearing it here and there, right? And I didn't know what that was. Right. And I remember in my time, there was usually only blacks that would, you know, line up for Protestant service. I had no idea what that was at all. And I would, you know, heck is that what is that yeah never asked or anything i just didn't know what it was i thought well i guess it's just an all-black thing because that's mainly right who attended um i don't know how has that changed is, is no, it no it's it's uh not the most popular thing to go to church but those that want to follow christ go but yeah. our, our services will be mixed and so we'll have black you know hispanic asian white whatever coming into our services but so it has it has changed um, what I'll generally That's say great. is, you know, I'll say the I'll say Protestant because there's so many groups that come in under so many different umbrellas that the guys want to know where they're coming. So I'll say, you know, the Protestant Christian group yeah. here. We're going to be <laughs> teaching from the Word of God. I do whatever I can so that they know, you know, what who it we is, are and what it is yeah. that we're doing. You know, the, yeah. the two, yeah, the the most prominent groups, you know, in L.A. County, um, as far as um, feet coming in to serve, would be the Protestants and the Catholic group. They're probably the two. And then sometimes it gets confused, so we'll get some in our service saying, "Well, what's the difference?" I go, "Well, yeah, and we can't, you know, we can't do anything that's <laughs> yeah, going to yeah. talk about anything negative about yeah. them, but we'll just focus on the Word of God and what God's Word has to say about, yeah. you know." So we get a little bit of everybody in our service because, once again, if nobody else is coming in and they hear service, like, "Well, I guess I'll go there and check it out." Yeah, know? yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great, man. I, I, yeah, I, but that's one of the things I remember about that, um, you know. And, and I, I never attended. Up until, you know, I get born again in in uh, solitary confinement, but so, I mean, what does your family think that you know? Because this, they see you on a daily basis, and and dad's going to work at a at one of the most dangerous county jails in the nation. How, how does that affect your family? How how does that how does that all that work? Well, I know your kids are a lot younger than mine now. I'm a little bit older now, but um, three of my boys have come into the... So I have three boys, and all three of them have come in and served in the jails. Wow. And so I have, um, you know, my one middle son, he came in while he was going... He was at the Master Seminary for four years, and he was coming in on a monthly basis with other, um, you know, Master Seminary students. And so, because, you know, at one point we had like, I don't know, 15 at one time coming in on a monthly basis. It, it, that number varies, but... He graduated, and then uh, now he's a pastor here locally at uh, Calvary Bible Church, one of the associate pastors, you know. Wow. And uh, my other son, Eric, he's in Philadelphia now. Um, he's uh, a resident in medical school, or uh, he graduated medical school. He's a resident now, but he came in for many times. You know, we, we'd, sometimes we'd say, let's, let's just go in and have a Christmas service at the jail instead of at the house. And so my sons, my wife, and I, she plays uh, piano, so we'd bring a keyboard in and guitar and we'd lead worship and just have it be a family thing so they're all out of the house now i've got a son in boise i got alex locally here but the other one's in philadelphia um, i have two girls that are in san francisco and portland 
But um, at any rate, uh, my wife, Susan, she's been serving at the uh, Century Regional Detention Facility in Linwood for about the last five years. And during the pandemic, she just started going there pretty much every Sunday. And so she teaches, she's a piano teacher by, uh, by trade, but uh, yeah, she's, a, she's serving alongside. So <laughs> that is It just works out. Amazing, know? man. And, and this is what I love about the Lord and how he involves your, when the whole family is involved, right? In, in, in living a Christian life, a life that is just surrendered to him. Uh, there's, I'm telling you, folks, uh, man, maybe you're out there and you're listening and maybe you're going, maybe you just tuned in and you're, and you're going, how, how does that, all that work? Listen, I don't think Frank and I planned this out. It, it just doesn't happen like that. You surrender your life over to Christ and you come in beat up <laughs> you come in just all messed up right and 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 you allow him to do those changes through well one is the reading of God's word uh, two by prayer by faithfully attending a local church being part of that local church not just attending but being part of the involvement of the church in in that city that you live in and, and and then those changes start to happen, and and they happen as God, you know, permits it to happen. If you're out there, and 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 you might say, well, you know, uh, I'm not in the Lord, and or or maybe I'm just, I've never went in deep, you know, that deep. Listen, we're excited people because God's involved in our lives, and to see your children. In the Lord, to see your wife involved in the ministry of the Lord. And sometimes I wake up and I go, you can't give me enough money. There is not enough money to satisfy me. When I wake up in the morning and I know that my wife is a believer, my children are after God. That, that is true success because I, I don't worry about my kids. I know that they love the Lord. I know, and they're not perfect, and I'm not. I know Frank isn't, you know, but we strive for that perfection, right? We, through obedience, uh, you, know, you, you obey what God says. You just do it. If you love me, you obey my commandments. That's, that's how it works. And then God, when he say, sees it, that you're ready for this or that, then he, he gives you this or that. But you don't go looking for this or that. You go and, you you know, today in the morning, and I, I, I'm a 4 a.m.er. Uh, a lot of inmates uh, that have done uh, long sentences know exactly what a 4 a.m.er is. Every person that I interview here is a 4 a.m.er, mo mostly all the former inmates. Uh, that have done shoe programs and, and honan yards. So we wake up at four. It's an internal alarm that's inside of us. It doesn't matter how late we go to sleep. At 4 a.m., I'm up and I'm going. And the time that I spent in God, just, you know, and, and, and it doesn't have to be, and, and I'm sure that you do the same thing, Frank. It doesn't, it, just be normal. I have a place 
where I know God's going to find me. That's my place. That's where I'm going to read his word. That's where I'm going to just soak in God's presence. A lot of those moments, I'm just quiet because I want to, I want to know, all right, God, what, what's for today? And as you flip those pages, that word just comes alive. And there's nothing, I'm telling you, if you're listening to, me, to us right now and you don't have Christ, it's very simple. He didn't, salvation is not packaged so that you don't understand it. Salvation is packaged so that a five-year-old could understand it. You repent, meaning you turn away from what you were doing. You don't return back to that. You tell God, I'm done with me, myself. The way I function in this life isn't working. God, help me. Forgive me. And you know what God does? He forgives you. Wipes, wipes you clean in his righteousness. You're clothed in his righteousness. And then you ask God to lead you to the right church, to a Bible preaching, teaching church. And he'll do that. And you surround yourself with men and women that love God. Then that's all they love. That they're their whole life is him. And then things, you're going to start to see, just like Frank started to see, you know, the guy that, 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 that first got born again with a cheesy smile, right? You know, when we come to Christ, we don't know, you know, 50, you know, verses right away. We don't, we don't know, you know, what, what translation is this, what translation is that. That, we don't, we come in just not knowing anything. Except that, when you become born again, you know that something changed inside. And for a minute, you might just have that cheesy smile. And as you grow and as you walk in the Lord, you're going to see some amazing changes that only he can do in your life. And that change that he does in your heart, in your life, starts affecting and impacting those around you. And Frank is here because of somebody that just smiled big. And, and and said, hey, I'm born again now. And you end up at Grace Community Church, which is a great church. Uh, I have many friends there. Uh, uh, in fact, the guy that mentored me and taught me my the sign trade uh, is, really? uh, yeah, he goes, Todd Moriarty. He attends your, your, your church uh, there, been there for a while. Um, but, you know, th this is what God does. Um, I, I'm so, man, there's so many questions that, that I want to ask. Because I, I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued by your ministry and what God has you doing and, and, and your heart, man. And the minute I, I saw you, there was, there was that thing. There was that thing that it was like, it's almost like you have met somewhere and we just, you know, but it's, it's the table of the Lord. We're That's brothers, what it is. Man. We're brothers. And, and I'm so grateful, man, uh, Frank, uh, for you accepting this invitation I know that there's so much more to what God's going to do in your life. Um, man, keep doing what you're doing, man. Thanks, brother. Uh, and I know that you are impacting men in there that they don't know where they're going. They, they really don't. 
Well, he's doing the God's doing the impacting. I just get to follow along and watch. That's it. And isn't right? that cool? Yeah. <laughs> I love what you said earlier. You know, it's not my responsibility to to increase. That's his. You know, uh, we're to sow and to water. We need to get out of the way and just remember that um, we pray that God would order our day on a daily basis and that we know man plans his ways, but God's a director of our steps. So I just pray, you know, even walking into the jail, of course, I have objectives, people I'm going to follow up with, but I just pray, you know, who are you drawn to yourself? Who do you want to just, you know, lead me to talk to? And sometimes I'll go in to follow up with four guys and I'll, my wife will go, how'd it go? I wanted to see four guys follow up on them, but I saw 25 today. Because of wow. people, you know, individuals coming up to the bars going, well, can I talk to you too? And I just lost my dad last week and nobody's talked to me. And then we just wow. have people just, you know, for the ones that are interested, they're just like, it's like a butterfly net. And we just stand there and are just flying in, you know. So, and have you, have you noticed the, 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 is there a different response from when you go into, let's say, the, the gang module, if it still exists, or you go into a, a high security uh, dorm? Um, back then, 2400 was that dorm where most uh, inmates in there were all facing you know, uh, murder charges. Do you see a difference from those guys than from the, the low-level offenders? I do. That's a good question. In fact, when I go into our, you know, whatever word you want to use, higher-level offenders, when I go into those areas... They're more real, raw, and open than actually the ones that are would be the lower-level offenders because they're, like, trying to be cool and prove something where the other guys are just like, hey. You know, I remember I had the senior chaplain from Men's Central Jail contact me a few years ago. Um, we contact each other with, like, hey, I had a guy I was talking to at MCJs over at Supermax now. Could you follow up with him? So he gave me this little note, you know, and I walked up to higher-level offender, and I walked up, and I called the guy's name out, and he goes, yeah, what do you want? And I said, well, I'm the chaplain. He goes, and? And I said, well, the you know, senior chaplain at Men's Central Jail said he met with you and wanted me to follow up with you. And he wrote an, an email. He goes, what? Who did that? I go, I just told you, the senior chaplain. <laughs> so what happened was this guy was wandering around at Men's Central Jail looking, looking for another chaplain. And our guy was standing there. And he says, well, he's not here, but can I help you? They uh, made friends. And so when I, he looked at me through the bars and he said, do you know I'm facing the death penalty? I said, I didn't know that, but let's talk about the second death. And so wow. we built a relationship. We've become friends now. And um, he's in for a double murder. And, and uh, in fact, it was interesting because he was telling a story to some people doing a documentary on something. But one of our chaplains looks at him and goes, you know, I'm kind of curious. You know, I always hear from the news What's going on in the helicopter and the news station? What the heck were you guys talking about in the car? He goes, well, did, did you see it on TV? We had three helicopters. He wasn't bragging. He just said, yeah. we had three helicopters chasing us and 20 cars. And I go, yeah, I kind of caught a glimpse of it. That's every night in L.A. You know, so I don't know. <laughs> and he said, uh, well, I looked at my partner and I said, dude, I've got some meth. He said, I got some heroin. We're running out of gas. Let's just do it till we run out of gas. So that's what was going on in the car. <laughs> At any rate, I have talked to this young man for two years now about God. He grew up in a Christian home in the same county that I live in. And finally, I looked at him one day and I said, aren't you afraid of going to hell? I mean, you're without excuse. You're not like the guy that's going to say, oh, no one ever told me about the yeah. gospel. But we know that God is sovereign and almighty and everyone, you know, no one's going to die needlessly without, you know, the Lord's hand in it, right? Yeah. And so... 
he says, uh, no, man, I'm just tired. I'm just tired of all this. And what he was also telling him is he, he's, he's, he's king of the hill in there. You know, I mean, he's, you know, double murder guy, you know, and, yeah. and everybody respects him and likes him and he can deal in there and he's going to be in, you know, jail. The death penalty for him is gone, but it looks like life in prison. So, you know, he doesn't care. So I said, you know, there was this young gal that um, her grandma asked her, aren't you afraid of going to hell? And she said the same thing. In fact, this young girl said, hell, how could hell be any worse than the hell that God's put me in here? And I told him that story, and I told him her name. And he said, I grew up with her. I go, no, you didn't. And he says, I did. And he said, in fact, my cousin, that was his best friend. Well, her name's Lana. So she uh, runs a, a, a ministry in uh, Mesot, Thailand, rescuing kids out of trafficking. She's been doing it for, I don't know, 20 years or something like that. Well, she happened to be, this is two years ago, so she happened to be here in the States, and I got a hold of her. I go, hey, you know this guy? She goes, yeah, I went to school. Then we're the only Hispanics in, this, <laughs> in the school. We hung together. I was best friend. All right, all right, you know him. Yeah. And I said, when are you going to be here next? And so I set up a, a, for her to come in on a one day, and so we, we met with him at Supermax. And I pulled him out, and we're sitting just like we are right now. And um, finally I got to that story, and I go, okay, it's cool you guys are having this get-together, but Greg's very honest, humble from the perspective that he doesn't try to tell me Christianese or tell me I'm good, yeah. I prayed the prayer, you know, because we're not looking for that. This is yeah. between you and God, not us, you know. Yeah. And so finally I told that story. I go, hey, didn't you tell your grandma that, you know, how could hell be any worse than the hell God's put me in here? And she said, no, that wasn't to grandma. That was a suicide note I wrote to God. She said, how God could hell be any worse than the hell you've put me in here. Well, Lana fell on her face, came to know Christ as Savior, um, walking with the Lord now and in tears. She looked at this guy and said, you know, um, I don't want to go back to Thailand only to have Frank write me an email or a text saying that, that you know, that you died and, and you're not in heaven, you know, because you haven't received Christ. So for everybody listening out there, we can't make you do anything. You know, I mean, this is between you and God, yeah. but there is, God is real. He is a creator of the heavens and the earth, and there's no one like him. But he, you know, um, we brought up earlier, God does love you so much that that's why he sent his son to die for you. And for those of you that are listening going, yeah, you're like Greg. Nah, it's not for me, chap. You know, it's not for me. <laughs> we don't want to do this, you know. Just know that Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and light, and you can find rest for your souls you know, I mean, yeah, I shared the the negative because how are you going to know the good news if you don't know what the negative is? Yeah. You know, though, well, that Frank guy, he's a hellfire and brimstone. Well, no, if you don't know about Revelation 20, you know, <laughs> your your best life isn't here and now because you think it could be bad here. Nothing's going to be compared to a place where you won't be hanging out with your friends, your homies. This is going to be a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth separated from God and other darkness throughout eternity. I'm like, is it really worth it? If somebody gave you $5 billion and said, enjoy it, but at the end of 100 years, you're going to be doomed to an eternal hell separated from God. And I'll share that verse that I shared earlier. What should it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Or what would you give in exchange for your soul? So my prayer for all of you that are listening out there, today is the day of salvation. Don't think about it. Don't wait. Just totally surrender your life. Casey brought up the most important thing there. You confess your sin. You ask God to forgive you. You be willing to turn from it and do it no more and follow him. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll follow me. 
and and totally find a good Bible teaching church and get plugged in, you're still going to be the same person. We're still yeah. the same guys yeah. we were before, you know. But but the difference is is it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, and Amen. and I pray you'd walk with him. Yeah, you know. Before we go, um, there was you emailed me uh, because I think that you know, and you're right. I, I love how you put it. You have to share the bad to know the goodness of God. That's how life really is, right? And I love that that you shared that. But before we go, there was a story because I I want our listeners to know that you know there there's a, there's this perception that uh, that uh, or this this phrase that people use you know jailhouse religion yeah. right that that's a very popular and I think it's it's valid because it, it, there is that element but there are those that go out that get out of institutions and do something with their lives. And you emailed me a story of a testimony of a couple. I know who you're talking about. And uh, can we end with that? Yeah. Can you share about that? Totally. So November, 2019, right, right before COVID, you know, um, I ended up bouncing all around, but I just ended up doing a service by myself, conducting a church service. And so, you know, I had the group of people and, 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 you know, just, as I started to pray and, and, you know, walk through the Bible message, there's this young man sitting in the front, you know, right, you know, like, like <laughs> as close as you are to me right yeah. now with like this smirky, like little smile on his face, but through the whole thing. And I thought, well, Lord, am I saying anything like sarcastic? Am I drawing attention <laughs> to myself? Am I, am I doing anything that's just not right? You know, I thought, man, I don't know. I'm just preaching the gospel. He just doesn't like it. He just, I think he hates you and hates me, but I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to kick him out for heckling me without making noises you know so after about an hour he walks up to me that same smile and i'm waiting for some you know like crazy words to come out of his mouth he goes everything you just spoke was like god was talking right to me wow his name's lawrence and lawrence surrendered his life to christ the night before came in and then heard you know more on on what it what it looks like to totally uh, uh understand the gospel and so he said, will you come back and see me? And I go, yeah, totally. So I came back, you know, the next week, followed up at his cell. And he said, I have nowhere to go when I get out of here. And this COVID thing's going crazy. What am I going to do? And so I mentioned, uh, you know, the San Fernando Valley Rescue Missions Renewed Hope 10-month program. He said, but I got to go to a uh, uh, court order drug rehab first. And so I said, here's my number. Call me whenever you need help and I'll help you and I'll do whatever I can to help you. Well, I do that with hundreds of people, and I rarely hear back from anybody. Well, I get a phone call, and he goes, Frank, it's Lawrence. I'm here in the program at the court order thing. It's going well, but I'm going to graduate soon. I've got nowhere to go, and I just found out that my love of my life is pregnant, you know, with a child, and she's got nowhere to go either. She's, we were homeless before I came in here. To give you a little background on him, he's only 32 years old and spent 15 um, as, a, hero, as a, a heroin addict, and he... Um, almost died in Florida, and they had him on life support. Everything in his body wow. shut down, and so this is this is a hardcore, you know, drug user, you know. And uh, at any rate, as it turns out, we were able to get him into Renewed Hope, and then we had the two of them go over to the uh, San Fernando Valley Rescue Mission uh, homeless shelter. So they were there during COVID. No driver's license, no birth certificates, no anything. He's <laughs> like, Frank, what do I do? And I go, Well, just you know, go through the system, do it by mail. I don't know. I, you know, talk yeah. to your mom in New York and, you know, get your birth certificate. So, 
So they ended up getting all that. And then um, I had the privilege of marrying them at one of the few places that was open to marry them at. And that's one of the pictures you saw. Yeah. And then after that, um, little Dylan Grace was born at the mission. And then he started just digging in deep over at Grace Community Church, you know, got baptized, became a, a member. Not that membership in itself is a big deal, but it is because it says, I'm all in here. Yeah. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in submission to the leadership here, the elders. I'm going to be studying in the Word of God. I'm going to be serving. I'm going to be giving. You know, you're just basically saying, I want to be accountable. I want to yeah. be part of the body. I want to encourage and go to not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the practice of some. I'm going to get in. Well, he gets all in. He ends up coming out of the program and, and some individual over there that helps seminary students with lower, you know, uh, cost housing gives him a place to stay. And then it turned out that somebody died in that person's family. So they got all of his furniture wow. Then he got a job at grace in the maintenance department. <clears throat> I was just at a picnic at our church last weekend. And I actually had him, I said, I'm going to share a testimony, but instead I'm going to have him come up. So I had him walk up and share this because he can wow. do a lot better than I can. <laughs> And then I want to end this by saying that this guy is just digging into the Word of God. He just he just ended up uh, applying for some scholarships at the Master's Seminary and got a full ride. He's going to seminary now. No way. And he told me he wants to come in and serve at the jail one day. And I told him, I can't promise anything. You know, I'm getting older now. I'm 65. I don't know. Our lives are but a vapor that appears for a while and vanishes. Maybe I'll be here till 80. Maybe I'm gone after I leave here or now. But I told him. <laughs> You know, if the Lord allows, you got a home with us. I'll let you come back to the very place that I met you at and serve, you know. Yeah. So anyway, that's the wow. story of Lawrence and his wife's name's uh, Camille and the baby's Dylan Grace. Wow. Uh, you know, th those those are the stories that I love hearing because for some of us, it wasn't jailhouse religion. That's right. It was Jesus Christ, yeah. the hope, you know, of glory. That That's that's what changed us. Uh Frank, thank you so much for your time, man. Thanks I know, for having me. Man, I know you're busy. And no, I know, no, 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 you know. don't talk like that, <laughs> But, man, thank you so much for being here, man. And and uh, what a what a, what a a gift and, and what an honor to have you here. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Hey, guys, um, listen, I'm gonna, we're going to end this the same way that we always end it, and you know exactly how it is. Um, if you're out there and, and you are, um, you know, you, you love this program, uh, you know, uh, and th there's some there's some folks that really come through and they they back up this program because of what we're what, what's happening here. Uh, uh, God has, you know, for whatever reason, uh, graced me with with the ability to be a bridge both to ex convicts and to law enforcement. And you know, the Shotgun Podcast that's what it is. It, it's it's bringing in both ex-convict who has turned their lives over to Christ and then interviewing law enforcement and, and, and chaplains in that, in that family and bringing, bringing us together at a table. And it's been great. And, and um, I think that in, in society right now where authority has been trampled underfoot and, uh, and law enforcement just, you know, kind of thrown, uh, to the floor and, and, and called every name under the book. Listen, God has placed authority on the land. And um, when you understand God's word, we're to obey that authority. And the police that are out there, 
that's 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 a job that God has placed in their hearts and, and it, it's been a career for them and we need law enforcement you're looking at today in the news you could just turn on the news and I don't I don't do that much but if you just turn it on you're going to see that the very people that were crying out to defund the police are now retracting their 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 statements and asking hey I think we messed up and they're seeing crime rate the crime rate in major cities across the United States is unbelievable right now um, homicides robberies assaults you name it they're all violent mostly all, all violent and those very people that were trying to defund the police are now saying hey we messed up can we get the police back well yeah that's how it works we need law enforcement here and you can't just say well that that police officer did that so they're all the same no listen in, in your job right it's like the 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 saying about, you know, oh, all Christians are hypocrites, so that's why I don't go to church. Listen, when you go in front to give account for your life before God, you're going to have an appointment with Christ, whether you like it or not. Preparing for that appointment now while you're still living, it's a good idea. It's a very good idea to prepare for that because you're going to have that appointment. We need law enforcement. We need to raise children and teach him to fear the Lord, number one, because he's the ultimate authority. And from that, then our children are raised to respect local authority, teachers, law enforcement, first responders, our parents. If we all do this, what the Bible is saying all along, and it's what it's been saying all along, if we do that, we could make a little difference little difference, I believe. And, and uh, so for those of you that support this program, thank you so much. And, and maybe you're, you're thinking about or you've been thinking about it. How do I support this? It's easy. Just go to kcds.net. Uh, on there, you're going to click on the podcast button. And then from there, uh, the support button. And it'll give you three ways that you can uh, uh, financially support this program. And it's whatever God puts in your heart. There is no number. There is no, whatever God tells you, it, whatever it is, that's what God wants you to give. Just do that freely from your heart. I thank you so much for your time and um, your friendship. For the emails that you send me, I am just floored by your kindness and and uh, your support of the things that are happening in, in my life and in in the whole shock collar thing, uh, the theme. Uh, Till next time, Los Angeles. I'm going to say it. I always say it. So you shouldn't be surprised. Keep Jesus first. <laughs>